One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, how are you? Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is, of course, a talk TV and we are here. We've made it to another Friday uh, and all is well. Well, uh, all is well in here. Uh, I'm not quite sure about out there because Richard Tice has joined me this morning uh, and we are going to be running the line uh, over Britain PLC uh, because we've now had Keir Starmer's idea of how to solve the immigration crisis and everybody but everybody has said it won't work. Uh, we've now got Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer both proposing systems that will not work. So what are we to do? What can we do? Uh, how are we going to solve this problem? We're going to need your help, of course. 0344 499 1000. Also, uh, we're going to be talking about everything else that's going on in the world, including the fact that NHS waiting lists have hit record highs of 7.7 million. And one senior doctor has actually said going to hospital will make you sicker than when uh, before you went in. And I know that's true uh, because there's an awful lot of people who've told me that they've sent elderly relatives into hospital to get something done uh, and they've never come out. And I know that sounds very harsh, but it's actually true. Uh, we're going to also talk about HS2. Uh, and now the government has said, well, maybe it won't go to Manchester after all. So it will literally just go from London to Birmingham. Brilliant. Fantastic. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we've got loads more coming up. Sebastian Gorkin joins us a little bit later in the show uh, from Washington, D.C. to give us the latest on Hunter Biden, uh, who's now been charged with some crimes. Finally, after loads and loads of things have gone horribly wrong. 0344 499 1000 it is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let us get it on. Richard Tice, a very good morning to you. It is a good morning. Isn't and it? I'm trying to find some cheer. And actually, the good news, Mike, yes. amongst all of the madness, right. is the weather. The weather because is nice. we've actually had one heat wave already uh, this month. Yes. And apparently, if the uh, the Met Office is to be believed, well, which is a great that. question, well, I we, mean, might be in fra- we might well, be in line for a second heat wave. But the problem is the Met Office have got it wrong already. The Mo- Met on Office multiple said, occasions. The Met, the Met Office said that the, the heat wave was over, didn't they? Yes. And this week was supposed to be wet and horrible. And it's not. I suppose we, we would expect nothing less from the Met Office, given I mean, now they fiddle and fudge the data. Well the, but the rumour is there is going to be a second heat wave in the second half yeah. of this month. And I think that is something to try and celebrate. We need to look really hard for the positives because there's yes. not many out there at the moment. Well, listen, you have to dig under all the rubble and the chaos. Yes. Well, let me, let me, let me um, suggest a couple of things to you. How do you know when the weather's good? You know the weather's good because Gatwick Airport basically shuts down <laughs> because all of the air traffic controllers take the day off to line the garden. Because that's what happened yesterday. I've also got some more good news for you today. The weather's nice. It looks like a pretty good day to me uh, to get the old renewables running, don't you think? You know, let's get some renewables into the national grid because it'll be greener, it'll be more efficient and it'll be better. Get, for the planet. Some, some power but and do you wind know power? that the National Grid is currently being fueled 50% uh, by fossil fuels? Right. Um, I'm and, afraid. And then a fair chunk by nuclear and probably not a lot by. 15% renewables. 15% by renewables. Five, yeah. Well, that's. that's 
And that would it's be better than one or two percent, which it was the other day. Eight point seven percent solar and five point six percent wind. Ah, so the wind is not quite working. So what happens when the renewables don't work? You need either candles, yeah. or a backup, or just don't. And if put, you have, or, don't put the fan on. Don't cook anything. Um, you well, know, that's. That's going to be the uh, the restrictions potentially imposed by this new energy bill yes. that I'm going to be talking about on yes. Sunday now, in detail. That's a I very good. That's a, yeah. Well, I don't listening. know what's going on with the energy bill. Well, I'll tell you exactly what's okay. going on. Well, I'll look this forward to This is a. I mean, I'll go into more detail on Sunday, but this is basically a a framework mm. to give future ministers the ability, literally, to come into your home yeah. to install a smart meter, whether or not you want it to check whether or not you've got the right insulation, the yeah. right energy performance certificates. Yeah. And if you haven't, you can't sell your home. Right. And if you don't, won't, don't want to install the insulation uh, or allow this smart meter, they could potentially fine you up to £15,000. And if you're a really naughty boy or girl, they could potentially cart you off to jail. Now, they say, even Lee Anderson, the Tory MP mm. who's actually against net zero, right. and he's sound on this stuff, he still voted for this bill saying, right. oh, don't worry, it'll never happen. Right. Well, I mean, why do you put it into legislation if you don't want to ever enact it? Exactly. But it's, isn't it the case, though, that it hasn't actually gone through yet? I thought, I see, this is my problem. I'm under the impression that they've kicked it into the long grass because there's more, no, no, amendments. They, 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 there's they, more amendments coming and they haven't yet actually voted well, it's, on it's it. It's going through the process yeah. of uh, in the parliamentary process. Yeah, right, but they haven't but actually voted it through no, they, yet. They, uh, it's, it's not an act, it's mm. still a bill. Yeah. But the it was voted this week, and they all voted. I think only nine voted against mm. in the House of Commons, right. something like that. So uh, this thing is heading through, no doubt, some lovely but laws. It is, will... Yeah, but I'm, all I'm saying is, is that I mean, it hasn't finished yet, no. and that's my why confusion because I can't find anyone to tell me when it's going to be actually becoming law. That's the bit I don't know. Yes, well, uh, that's <laughs> no one probably knows that is the right. honest answer, but yeah. it's heading in that direction, and I'm deeply concerned about it. Frankly, it's mm. an outrage. Yes, and. Uh, there is still a potential to stop it, but I suspect there's no will to stop it because there's no will within that Westminster uh, parliamentary estate, mm. frankly, to do anything yeah. relating to common sense talking... with regard to energy no. well, and net actually, zero. With regard to anything, I was talking to somebody yesterday, a former special advisor who was recently in government, who said basically there's all sorts of bills that they were proposing to put through which have gone nowhere because they haven't had time to do it. I'm going, sorry? Well, they've been in power for 13 years and they haven't got around to quite a lot of the bills that were in their manifestos from years ago. And, and, and the they haven't is, actually, found time to put the bills through. But actually, the reality is that uh, there's far too little going on, and MPs will say that. There's nothing going on in the mm. Commons. There's very little to debate. There's right. very little to discuss. Very well, often they're going, home, there. they're going home early. Right. Sessions finish early. I mean, the whole thing is, it's almost like, it's the end of school. Uh, everybody's just basically right. given up. It's like the fifth and final right. year of Parliament. Yeah. Also, and the whole thing and, is and just this, sort of also, dragging yeah. out. And at this particular time of the year as well, it's a waste of space because they've come back. They've had two Prime Minister's questions. They're now off for another month because they've got to go to party conferences. It's ludicrous. I mean, we are in the midst of several crises, right? There's an immigration crisis, and I know that sometimes we're accused of saying there's always a crisis, but there is an immigration crisis. There are people flooding into this country at the rate of knots, the like of which nobody's ever seen. Correct. I don't know whether you've seen what was going on in Lampedusa the other day, where yep. 5,000 African at men least. arrived in one day, in one day. on 100 boats, yes. right? Yes, I mean, now, that was, if that's not an invasion, absolute, I mean, if that's, that was literally an invasion yeah, of that island, right. more people arrived in one day than the population yeah. of the island. 
toilet. Exactly. I mean, we should be on a wall footing about this. Of course this. we should. We should not be going, oh, well, don't worry. We'll see you in a month after we've been up to uh, Liverpool and Birmingham. Uh, but all is OK Birmingham. because Keir Starmer is thundering down the pass mm. with a great plan that is so brilliant that even The Guardian yeah. has torn it to shreds. <laughs> and even diplomats in the European Union... Yeah have described it as delusional. Yes. Because what Starmer seems to have failed to realise is that whilst he's trying to get into this EU yeah. scheme, forgetting that we're not a member of the EU, right. uh, but that's obviously where he'd like to take us, um, other big EU countries like Germany are bailing out the other yeah. side of the scheme well, because they don't they know that it's it's not what their voters irony want. Irony of ironies, the EU resettlement scheme is literally falling apart the seams. I said this yesterday. Germany's now telling the Italians, we're not taking any more of your migrants, so you can keep them all where, where they are. The French, by the way, are now fortifying their border down there in Ventimiglia, which is a very nice part of the world, uh, where there didn't used to be any border at all. They're now going, no, we're going to put a big border up here because we've got too many immigrants coming in. Yep. So the French are now starting to get a bit leery about too many immigration uh, problems. I mean, who knows where this goes, but just think forward. But Britain one or two basically years. is under siege, isn't it? Well, the truth is that the whole of Europe is under siege from illegal migrants coming across the Mediterranean, yep. coming through uh, Europe and wanting to come to the UK because we, of course, are the most generous. Mm. And that's why vast numbers want to leave the lovely safe country of France and come yeah. to the UK. And it has to stop. But it's not going to stop by Keir Starmer's plans mm. in the same way that it's not going to stop under Rishi Sunak. So no. I promise you, everybody listening and watching, this will only stop when we do the only solution that... We know works, which is what Australia did. You pick up and you take back, or right. you push back. Australia pushed back, or you take them somewhere else. Stop, or you no, take them somewhere else. I know you, you are you are deeply wedded to the Rwanda scheme, not at all. But I it, don't is, care. it is one Where of those. It is one of those rare occasions when you you have to admit that you were wrong to even trust it because it'll no. never work. It'll not act as a deterrent, Mike. The only deterrent, as you well know, is if you take them back or push them back to the French beaches, yeah. where they came from, and then all of a sudden, the whole thing stops. Absolutely right. I agree with that. The, the only way is to stop it from happening. The only way to stop it is, is to stop it from happening. But it's like having some guy standing at the top of the stairs in a house with the doors open, going, I don't know what to do to stop these people coming in. Well, how about you shut the door? Maybe shut the door the and lock thing. it. The worst part about all of this, I said this to Kevin O'Sullivan, is that this, as Keir Starmer plan, is something they've actually spent time on. They actually <laughs> planned it. You know, they thought, I know, we'll go over to the Hague because that will make us look statesmanlike. You know, there'll be a big picture of us coming out of the Hague what, Airport. His, I didn't even know they had an airport in his, there. In his trainers. Yeah, in his, I mean, for heaven's sake, trainers, in, how can you look statesman-like wearing a sort of a pair of I know. trainers? I mean, it just, just doesn't get it, does it? It doesn't get it. Um, and then he says, uh, here's what we'll do. We'll, 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 we'll sort of make sure that everybody on the left is OK with it. Doesn't talk to the TUC. Uh, they don't think it's any but good. But he does use some um, tough language. Like, he, oh, yeah. They've ruthless. all been briefed. They've yeah. all been briefed to use the word, we're going to smash the gangs. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're going to stop the vile people yeah. smugglers. Right. No one's interested in silly words. We want right. action. And I tell you, I'm the only guy who's got a clear plan. Mm. You pick up and you take back. You yeah. can do it under international law. Yeah. And unless people do that, this doesn't stop. The well, moment you do my that, alternative, this stops. which has been brought up by several people as well here uh, on this very show, is to just damage the boats so they can't get in the water. If they can't get in the boats, they can't come. Yes, it's that simple. Yes. You know, you don't have to worry about taking them back then because they never leave. Yes, that's also true. The only issue there is that uh, because the they're using such a wide front of uh, coastline now mm. in France yeah. that it's actually very hard to catch them all, which is why, I mean, that might it be your front. It can't be that hard. Surely it, to God. It, it was about a 40-mile uh, yeah. coastline. They've now widened it. Right. But here's the thing, though. People haven't given enough uh, credence to what Belgium have done. Mm. The Belgian authorities... They've stopped them leaving, they've haven't stopped, they? Because guess what they've done? They've picked them up just mm. off the Belgian shore and taken them back to Belgium. Right. I don't think we actually sent Belgium much of any money at no. all. 
So why can't the French do that? I because know. they don't want to, because actually it suits them to send them over whilst they're partying in yeah. clubs, in nightclubs yes. in northern France. Well, they're quite enjoying it. The special <laughs> forces loving it, uh, according to our friends at the Daily Express. But here's the other thing. You know, as I say, you know, Labour have spent long and uh, night, long nights on this, uh, having had no policy on immigration at all. You know, uh, Keir Starmer put out his, his, uh, his five-point plan, didn't mention immigration. So they've really spent a long time on all of it, and it's literally crumbled before their very yeah, eyes, in, as soon as, before they finished announcing it. It's quite incredible, actually. And if that's a indication of how badly they would run the country yeah. if they're in power, then uh, I think we can all learn a pretty rapid lesson. Well, I said yesterday, he's also got his next plan is to stop shoplifting by basically telling shoplifters, just take what you like. That's, that's <laughs> Now there's no more shoplifting. Well done, Sir Keir Starmer. Uh, Richard Tyson's here. We're going to have more to talk about, including, of course, uh, the terrible state of the net zero campaigning that's going on as well. Uh, this is Talk TV. On the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. HS2, imagine that. Um, what a great idea to have a fantastic high-speed rail service that takes you uh, in no time at all uh, from one part of the country to another. Unfortunately, in this case, it doesn't take you very far. Uh, it looks as though they've now given up uh, on that sort of Y-shaped thing that was going to come out of Birmingham. One part going to Manchester, another part going to Leeds. Then it was like that for a while, where one part was only going to go to Manchester. Uh, now it's like that. Um, I'm sorry for the rather rudimentary uh, illustration there, but basically now it doesn't go anywhere. Right? I mean, the whole thing is absolute <laughs> chaos. It's, I mean, it's tragic yeah. because it's such a waste of taxpayers' cash. How much have they it spent was, on it now? So the the original plan, I mean, it's back in 2008 or nine. This was originally yeah. came out, and then we talk about 30 billion. I think they've spent around 20 billion plus or minus the odd billion. So, so Labour far. was still in charge at that. Point. Labour was still in charge. Yeah. It was an Andrew Adonis. Mm. He of the, of uh, course, the, the he him. of the Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Um, My it Lord his, Adonis. It was his cunning plan. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to him? <laughs> he, he seems to have gone very quiet. He's gone very quiet. Yeah. But uh, so he moved what, to Europe. We've always been against it. Yeah. Uh, with uh, in in terms of my views on it. And I've always thought it was a complete waste of money, mm. a completely fraudulent basis to start it in the first place. But if you were going to do it at all, you should have started on the segment between Birmingham and Manchester. Yeah, start there. On, yeah. on the basis that that would give some some investment and some extra yeah. infrastructure right. heading from the Midlands up north. Mm. They've started it from the outer reaches of some suburb in northwest London yeah. that no one's ever previously Well, it was kind of, of Uxbridge way, wasn't uh, it, where sort it started? Of old Oak Common. Yeah. Uh, decimated some glorious countryside. And compulsory purchased, compulsory purchased, um, huge, vast swathes of land and mm. housing, and now it seems that it may well stop at Birmingham. Right, and that wasn't the issue no. in the first place. So uh, this, I mean, all it will do is pour billions of pounds into infrastructure in the southeast, mm. and and that will essentially and also deny actually... billions of pounds that's much more needed in levelling up infrastructure in uh, in the north. I always said the key thing was getting from Liverpool. Uh, on the west yeah. to the east and yeah. up to Newcastle and to Hull. Yeah, because people complain that if you try to get a train from Newcastle to Manchester, it's an absolute nightmare. Oh, you have to go through about nightmare. three different changes. But also, it's coming from somewhere presumably near Birmingham to somewhere slightly near the centre of London. It's but not even, coming even, to the centre Even of in London. Birmingham, it's not the centre of no. Birmingham. Again, it's some sort of su uh, suburb of Birmingham. Right. I mean, the, the whole thing is so ill-conceived. Truly, you you never pour good money after bad. The no. first loss in business is the best loss. Yeah. Just cut it, right. scrap it, bin it, sell the property mm. that you've already done, fill in, re-landscape it. Uh, it. I promise you, that is the best thing yeah. to do. And then the saving, let's spend it up north in some proper 
short-term, medium-term infrastructure. Mm. That's what's needed. That's what will make a difference. And that is true levelling up. Yeah. And I believe that's what actually people want when... Uh, you know, when they voted Conservative in 2019, they wanted Brexit, they wanted levelling up. That's what they envisaged. They did. And what they don't need uh, is more complicated sort of infrastructure, which doesn't actually improve what you've already got. You know, the trains basically don't work anymore in this country, largely due to Mick Lynch and his cohorts, his Marxist mates, who have basically made it impossible for anybody to rely on the trains. So people now just don't travel by train. I actually got one last night um, from, from uh, down south, um, and it ran for the first time I've been on it in a long time, actually on time. Uh, it was clean, it was good. But the trouble is, the reason I stopped using the train on a regular basis was because you couldn't rely on it. You can't rely on it. You didn't know it. when it was going to be off, you didn't know when there was going to be um, you know, replacement bus services, and all the rest of it. And the problem is, it's so expensive. It cost me 28 quid for a single fare uh, from Battle in Sussex, just south of Tunbridge Wells, to London. 28 the, quid. The, the cost of the railway is quite, quite shocking, actually. It, it is just whatever journey you're, you're taking, it, you, you literally sort of have a double or treble take at the bill. It's just extraordinary. It's incredible. And if you're going to do that every day, no wonder people are going, actually, I won't bother going to work today. So not only air traffic control, there was a story in the Telegraph yesterday uh, that the HMRC uh, offices around the country, not just in the southeast, are basically deserted. But of course... Because some people are not going to work even one day a week. But of course, the, uh, the eco-cultist zealots, mm. they're quite happy with this because actually this is all part of the strategy of basically stay at home. Don't go anywhere. Uh, don't have a nice time. Don't see your relatives. Don't go to work. Don't be productive. Yeah. Sit at home in your bedroom. Hope the Wi-Fi might work occasionally, yeah. and something may or may not get done. That is not the definition of progress. Yeah. That is that is contracting. That is going backwards. Mm. Nothing ever stands still. Yeah. You either move forwards or you go backwards. And at the moment, this country is heading backwards. Yeah. Sadly, at some pace. Yeah. I was watching uh, Piers Morgan's interview last night with Dana White, the guy who runs UFC. Very successful guy, incredibly um, wealthy man who's built UFC up from nothing, employs about 300 people, said that during COVID, he said to people, look, if you want to take time to be at home with your family, that's fine. He said, but you have to be in the office if you're not concerned because the only way you get anything done and the only way you get ideas, the only way exactly. that you get any sort of you know solutions to problems is by brainstorming it all together in the same room. Absolutely. You can't do it on Zoom. No, it's not possible. So you know, this is part of the battleground, but whether it's... Uh, whether it's the trains, whether it's the madness of trying to build a uh, HS2, uh, or indeed if you want to try and fly anywhere. Well, yeah. good luck if you're going through Gatwick. Yeah. Uh, unless you're that uh, that gentleman on EasyJet that uh, had quite a good time in the Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I must say, and not that I'm particularly interested in this sort of activity, but I didn't realise it was actually illegal. Uh, apparently it is illegal um, to have sex to join in the Mile, air, to join the mile High Club yeah. on an EasyJet flight. I, mean, I would have said it's practically impossible in an EasyJet <laughs> flight. It's a very small toilet. But anyway, um, yeah, it was uh, a, a bit of a turn up for the books, that one. Uh, yeah, that absolutely extraordinary. That, that has gone viral. But uh, I guess the other thing that is broken is, of course, the, the NHS waiting list, which when Sunak stood up in January yeah. and said he's going to bring the waiting list down, they were at about 7.2 million. Yeah. Here we are. Nine months 7. later, there's 7.7, 7.8 yeah. million people. Yeah. So once again, uh, things are actually getting worse now, rather than better. So out of the five promises that he made, the five pledges, right, he's now said he can't stop the boat. So that's one off the list. It's right. down to four. He's now said he's not going to get the waiting list down because either. Because it's someone else's fault. Because, because the it's, doctor's it's fault. the doctor's So he's now down strike. to three out of five. Inflation is still high and it's got nothing to do with him anyway. So you knock that one off the list. Correct. The other uh, two... The national debt is going up. National debt's going up. The, economy, the growth the, of the, the economy, economy is going over. south. Uh, 0.5% so that one's down. Right, so what was the last one? Uh, was the uh, GDP, the economy. Okay. And that's going south. 
So that's none then. So, so from five to zero uh, in literally four months. No, five look, months. In yeah, that's right. Well, I, uh, even if you say that it's nine months. Yeah. Uh, he is basically heading towards the end of the year and making at best he will get inflation down from where it was. Well, it's down. The rest down. of them, the rest of them are a but, he, but, but he's done nothing to contribute to bringing inflation down. In fact, if anything, he's done an, everything to make it go up because he keeps giving people pay rises, Correct. which well, will raise the, 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 the value of the inflation. He's done rate. the opposite of what should. He's, he's basically allowed the governor of the Bank of England to keep raising interest rates, mm. which is the wrong solution yeah. to the issue. What he should be doing is cutting wasteful government spending yeah. so that that will pay for significant tax cuts for the lowest paid, the least well off for small businesses. That's how you create activity. Cut taxes on yeah. consumer goods. Mathematically, inflation comes down. So mm. he could have done something about it, sensible that would have simultaneously created growth. Instead, he, he's done the opposite. He's outsourced the problem to uh, Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, who's Never utterly a useless. Never a good idea. And the useless. whole thing is has ended up being a catastrophe. I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but I, mean, I can't say the actual word on the radio stroke television that we're on. Uh, but we are basically stupped, I think is the way I can put it, aren't we? I mean, I can't wait for this, uh, you know, conference season. I mean, what's Sunak going to get up and say to his, um, you know, assorted followers? Most people at the conference don't even think he should be prime minister. Most people don't think he's doing anything to remain as prime minister. I mean, what have they got to sell us exactly? Well, I think a lot of people actually would like him to stand up and say, I'm going to call a general election immediately so we can uh, end the pain and, and frankly move on. But... Uh, that's not what's going to happen, mm. but this will be the last conference season. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to say, right. because he will have had a full nine months since his, his great five-point plan, yeah. and they will all be failing. Equally, you look at Keir Starmer, I mean, he had five missions. Mm. At least we can, half rem we can almost remember St um, Sunak's plans. You've got no idea what uh, Starmer's missions are, but his latest mission as of yesterday as to how to stop the boats has failed within yeah. 24 hours. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing now that even China's gone, why have we got all these spies working in Whitehall? There's no point. They're not doing anything. <laughs> you know, bring them all back. Send them somewhere where there's actually something worth spying on. You know, there's nobody there. They go to Whitehall go, where is everybody? There's nobody there. And, and what they are doing is, is so irrelevant or so, so chaotic. Right. You might as well just assume that, that Britain's a basket case. Well, it is. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody would want to spy on Britain, you know, because there's nothing happening. There's nothing worth watching. Uh, there's nothing worth stealing. Uh, there's literally nothing. Worth... The only thing worth watching is this show, Mike. That is well, a that very, is very much point. worth watching. And, and of we course, have to rebuild Britain from uh, from these and, and at the risk these, of... uh, these studios and from this opportunity. Mm. That's and what and at say. the risk of being accused of being part of some mutual admiration society, also your show is well worth well, watching as well. So on Sunday, you're going to give us the I'm, lowdown on net absolutely. zero. I'm going to be talking about. Uh, I'm going to be talking about more net zero madness yeah. about the energy bill. Uh, and we'll be digging into the migrant issues and much else besides and uh, talking to someone who supports HS2. So wow. all sorts to look forward Donus, to, amongst many others. And Lord Adonis. No, <laughs> we'll see if we can find him. See where is he? Find him, yeah. If anybody knows where he is, yeah. could you give him a call? Give him a shout, yeah, because, you know, he used to talk incessantly on and on about the EU, didn't he? He did. Oh, I mean, maybe he's gone to the EU. Yeah, maybe he's gone to live there. I'll see if I can find him. See if you can track him down. Brilliant. Uh, Richard Tice, back on Sunday, 10 o'clock. You don't want to miss it, the Sunday sermon. Bit of breaking news, uh, and this has been a big story over the past few weeks as well, and this is another dog attack uh, in Stonnell uh, in the West Midlands. Apparently a man has died uh, in the West Midlands after being attacked, bitten by two dogs on Thursday afternoon. A 30-year-old man from the Litchfield area has been arrested on suspicion of having dogs dangerously out of control. This is a terrible situation that we've got in this country. The dog rules need to be changed. Uh, we'll bring you more on that uh, as we get it. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We are the one place to get the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Some terrible breaking news there. A man has died following a dog attack uh, in Stonnell uh, in the West Midlands. A 30-year-old man from the Litchfield area has been arrested on suspicion of having dogs dangerously out of control. Uh, so we will bring you more on that story uh, as and when we get it. One of the things we want to do this morning, though, is to talk to many of you who might have been disrupted yesterday uh, because you might have had family members members flying back to this country or trying to fly out of this country. But there was another nightmare or even a flightmare, as you might want to call it, at Gatwick Airport. Dozens of flights delayed. Uh, many of them were uh, rerouted to places like Cardiff uh, and Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, people being taken in different parts of the, uh, the country when they should have been coming back to Gatwick. And again, it was the problem uh, with the uh, air traffic controllers. Apparently, some of them didn't turn up for work. There was a shortage of staff. And so it was all a bit of a problem. Simon Calder, of course, is here for us. Uh, let's find out what he knows about it. Simon, a very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Mike. And of course, much of this problem could have been avoided if HS2 had been built, because then people would be on the trade rather yes. than the... Uh, You'd be waiting, you'd be waiting a long there. time for that, I'm afraid, won't you? <laughs> uh, now, look, yeah, thousands of people waking up where they don't want to be, um, because the third air traffic control um, foul up, if we can call it that, in 18 days affecting Gatwick. And just to run through these, of course, it was bank holiday Monday, 28th of August, when the air traffic control system failed across the UK. That led to 2,000 flight cancellations, hundreds of thousands of people disrupted by that. Then nine days ago, Gatwick um, had a problem with um, staff shortage in the control tower, um, thousands disrupted, and exactly the same thing happened yesterday it wasn't um uh it, what happens that there were three controllers in the tower as they normally are and one of them sadly went sick and mm. mike i'm sure you would agree that in such a stressful important safety critical role you want everybody to be 100 percent. and if they're not then they have to go sick well that's but, true but you wouldn't expect the entire system to fail on the basis that one person goes sick would you well, you wouldn't really. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd imagine that there would be an excellent um, uh, spare person. Um, he or she would be sitting in the next room, um, drinking a cup of coffee, looking out the window, um, doing a bit of paperwork and just there in case somebody does right. go sick. Yeah. But there is a profound shortage of air traffic controllers and you can't. And I've checked this out. You can't just phone up Luton or Heathrow or even the NATS, that's the air traffic service down in Swanwick, and say, oh, we're one down. Can you um, send somebody over? Right. Because you need to be specifically trained. And, of course, Gatwick, busiest runway in the world, it really does um, require an extraordinary level of professionalism and training. I get that. But, I mean... I don't understand when people say, oh, well, of course, a lot of people left the airline business during the COVID pandemic and they didn't get replaced. Well, my question would be, well, why didn't they get replaced? You know, if people have left uh, more than two years ago in an industry which is a vital cog in the sort of infrastructure of the country, what the hell are these people doing not replacing them? Well, uh, yep. And they say we are doing our absolute best. But well, they're obviously not, are they? Well, um, if, if can I, I'll put their point of view um, and uh, then I maybe bring in what the airlines are saying because they're, they're not exactly delighted no. by this because it's going to cost them hundreds of thousands, quite possibly millions of pounds as a result of this because they have to pick up the thing. But, but what the um, air traffic control service says here and indeed across Europe is that, yes, people did leave during COVID. Nobody knew 
um, what aviation would look like. Um, tra uh, recruiting and training air traffic controllers is an incredibly long and slow business, and we're doing our absolute best. And um, uh, talking to Nats, they say, yep, they're trying to get um, building 17% more resilience at Gatwick, and they've got a plan with the airport to do that. Um, and I, yeah, know, they've always I'm got a plan, fine. haven't they? How about you just get on with it? You know, two years has passed since the COVID pandemic, if not more than that. Um, and what, you know, what? How long does it take to train people? You know, and why don't they have a, a, a fail safe? You know, I think anybody uh, with half a brain looking at Nats would say it's not very well run. We can see that. Well, funnily enough, that was uh, more or less exactly what uh, Michael O'Leary, the chief executive of Europe's biggest budget yeah. airline, Ryanair, said uh, last night. He called for Martin Rolfe, who's the chief executive of Nats, to um, uh, resign. Yeah. Um, we've had a, also a strongly worded statement um, from Johan Lundgren, who's the boss of EasyJet, Britain's biggest budget airline, um, not calling for the resignation, but just saying, you've absolutely got to sort this out. Mm. EasyJet, of course, got clobbered harder than every, everyone else. Its planes ended up all over the place. And the, um, yeah, we had this, we even had uh, a diversion to mm. beautiful Brussels, um, as well as um, Cardiff, another. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a nightmare if you've got if you've got places to be the next day or you've got a car in the other airport or you've even ordered a car for the, from the other airport. You have to somehow cancel it all, you know, in the middle of the night. It's all an absolute nightmare. But as Michael O'Leary says, you know, airlines are paying this this outfit, these bozos. I'm going to call them that millions of pounds every single year, you know, uh, to get what exactly to get put out well, of business. To, to get safe air traffic control and to be absolutely straightforward, um, the, the UK benefits from absolutely the highest levels of aviation security um, and our two biggest budget airlines, Ryanair and EasyJet, are respectively the safest and the second safest airlines in the world in terms of the number of Yeah, passengers. but that's got nothing to do right. with the air traffic controllers. That's got everything to do with the way those two companies are run. And they're run very well because they need to be because they're based on a commercial opportunity to make money. You know, Nats is not, even though I imagine they probably make some form of a profit out of all the money they get from an airline. But they're a monopoly. Uh, they may or may not be state run. I think they're partially privatised. They used to be state run. But I don't see yeah. problems in other parts of Europe. You know, how much better are they than anybody else? Apart from the French who always go on strike. You don't hear about, you know, oh, somebody's pressed the wrong button in the Italian airspace and suddenly all flights are now downed, do you? Oh, right. OK. So, so, can we talk about the French briefly? I know that well, we can, but that. I mean, um, the French are a special yeah, oh, case because they're always on strike. Well, they, they were going to be on strike today and that's been called off. Excellent. However, they are still threatening to go on strike in the next few weeks. So we'll maybe talk about that nearer the time. Yeah. There are really severe air traffic controller shortages all the way across from um, fr from Reims in France um, to uh, Karlsruhe in Germany across the Balkans you, you know these are really highly specialized people and I absolutely agree this is so critical to the functioning of aviation you would think that they would just be moving heaven and earth to get the right people in places but but instead no they just say we're going to keep everything safe Gatwick that means well it's the busiest runway in the world so it's not going to be that busy for the next few hours till we can get uh, uh, the night shift in and um, just just uh, misery for so many people. Yeah. Again, aviation, incredibly complicated. It requires an awful lot of things to go right. But this is the third time in less than three weeks that at Gatwick things have gone wrong. And it's the air traffic control service, right. which is responsible. Well, let me ask you this question. You may not be able to answer it. Why now? 
have we suddenly seen it becoming worse than it was before? Because until, I would say, this moment, apart from something that happened quite a long time ago, uh, it's all been running pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah, OK. So let's separate out the, um, uh, the, the IT system failure, which the chief executive said was a one in 15 million um, chance. Well, I, I think that, he's slightly not... over-egging that. Well, yeah, what, what he meant was we've had 15 million flight plans and this was the first one that shut down our entire system for several hours. Mm. Um, but the staff shortage at Gatwick, it's just you know, keep your fingers crossed and um, hope that it's OK and um, uh, make, make sure that the excellent women and men there are, are absolutely in tip top condition. But um, something's going to uh, happen. You know, they, they you know, nasty strain of COVID around. All sorts of things could um uh, could mean that they have to um, go off. And if you don't have that person sitting in the next room, um, then it is going to unravel yeah. really very Well, then quickly. surely if you were running a commercial operation, um, you would say, well, we better have somebody in that room in order for this yeah. not to be happening again. I, and, then, and then your um, your recruitment people would say, but look, uh, we, we asked Mike Graham and he was busy. Um, um, no, yeah, we need people that's not acceptable. Caliber. No, that's well. not acceptable. This is part of the malaise that affects all people in Britain, it seems now. Oh, we can't get anybody to do the job. Well, find somebody who can do the job and make sure that you cover for people because it's not acceptable. You know, the same goes for the trains. They're announcing another strike, which I think is coming in September the 30th, October the 4th as well. You know, at the end of the day, they have to supply drivers for the trains. If they're not willing to do it, then you get rid of them and get some people in who can. You know, you can't just go, oh, I'm terribly sorry, uh, we haven't got anybody. But that seems to be the kind of current state of Britain where people just go, oh, we haven't got anybody who can do that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, well, I find it very difficult. Now we can't even find anyone to run the Wi-Fi properly. Thank goodness. They, uh, no, but we, we, we've got, got people who can run Talk TV OK, which is the main thing. I well, think again, I mean, imagine, imagine, if you, imagine if I didn't turn up today and there was nobody who could sit here. There's always somebody that can sit here. They might not do it as well as I do it. They might not be as uh, uh, charming as me, but there's always somebody sitting here. They don't, you know, you can't run a commercial operation without people that could cover for other people. It's madness. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, if I go sick, it doesn't matter at all. Nobody knows. I if miss you, you go sick, the nation mourns, but um, but there is someone sitting in the next room who can um, who can step <laughs> no, in. Seriously, at the I mean, it is it is it is a massive problem in Britain at the moment. And I think our infrastructure, particularly and our travel uh, infrastructure in particular, seems to be very precariously balanced. You know, that's why people have stopped taking the trains because they can't rely on them. Pretty soon, if you can't rely on the planes, people will stop doing that as well. Well, uh, don't worry. HS2 will be with us in uh, 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. I'll be dead. I, I will make a bet with you now that I will die before HS2 actually runs. I'll promise you that. And if I lose the bet, I'll be more than happy to pay you. And I'll meet you on the train in the buffet car. We'll have a glass of Chablis. That sounds absolutely splendid. I shall look forward to that very much indeed, Mike. I very shall good. see you on board. Thank you, Simon. Good to see you. Thank you very much indeed. Travel correspondent, of course. Travel guru, really, to the stars at The Independent. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take some of your calls. We're going to find out what on earth is going on uh, with the air traffic control system in this country. How can one person go off and then suddenly no planes can land where they're supposed to? Absolute madness. This is Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The one place to be, of course, for the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, just the breaking news that we told you about a moment ago. The American XL bully dog will be banned by the end of the year following a series of attacks, according to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Uh, this comes after Suella Braverman called for the dogs to be banned. Uh, another incident uh, which has resulted in the death of a man in Staffordshire, uh, bitten by two separate dogs. They're still investigating the breed of dog that was actually involved in that attack, uh, or two dogs rather, uh, but there is a belief that at least one of them was an XL bully. We'll bring you more on that uh, as and when we know it. Uh, of course, we've got lots and lots of you who want to talk to us as well. Uh, Jay in Marylebone says on the subject of store cards, the only store card that works for me is Boots, where you get points and can use them uh, to buy goods as well. Well, I think you can do that. Uh, and one from somebody who doesn't give a name, it just says this, just such terrible news everywhere, made worse by greed, incompetence and the real lack of empathy. If those who could make a difference actually did what they needed to do or had the common sense and compassion to do so, well, uh, we might be in a much better place. Well, I had uh, words to say, quite strong words to say about the striking doctors a moment ago because we had a call uh, from somebody who said that he'd more or less got ready to give up on his own life because he'd been waiting four months. He's got two fractures in his spine. He had a fall. He's in his 70s. He's, kept, he's had four different cancellations of appointments to fix his spine. Uh, he can barely move around. The NHS is failing him. The doctors on strike are failing him. Uh, and it's just another terrible, terrible indictment of the way that Britain is right now. Let's talk to Ben Habib, former MEP, of course, because Ben talks to us on a regular basis about a great many things. There is um, a big problem, uh, Ben, and a very good morning to you in this country at the moment. Um, you and I have spoken before about the lack of sort of anything working. I mean, we've got today, just as a, as a sort of a, a contents list, if you like, of the stories we're looking at, we've got a guy who rang in to say he's had four different appointments cancelled with the NHS. He doesn't know what to do. He said he's even thought about killing himself. He doesn't know what else to do. Uh, we've got the air traffic control system once again thrown into disarray because one person didn't turn up for work apparently, and Gatwick was kind of thrown into complete and utter chaos. We've got Keir Starmer coming up with a new immigration plan, which is even worse, hard to believe, but even worse than the Tories one, right? <laughs> which, which has managed to upset everybody from The Guardian uh, to the backbenchers on the Conservative Party. Uh, we've got Lord Frost in The Telegraph this morning writing about how Britain is now in serious danger of actually losing Brexit altogether. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the trains that are going on strike again. I haven't mentioned the XL bully dogs. You know, if you're lucky, you won't get attacked by one when you walk down the street. I mean, I just don't know where to, where to begin, really. Law and order, for example. Um, Sadi Khan, he's, he's, a, he's the personification of a problem. Oh, my he? God. I mean, we didn't even mention yeah. the 20 mile an hour zones, for God's sake. <laughs> Yeah, so where would you like me to start? I don't know, I really. Mean, we... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it yeah. to you, Ben, because, I mean, I, what I'm seeing here is a sort of pattern of a lack of responsibility, um, a lack of any leadership, a lack of kind of um, solutions to problems. And we simply seem to be... I mean, if I was to... If I was to make an analogy, I would say it's like being on, um, you know, the ancient mariner's ship, drifting kind of listlessly nowhere not going anywhere, just lying there waiting for it all to end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good comparison. I, I think there are two things going on fundamentally with the United Kingdom without getting too, you know, into too much political philosophy. But I think there are two things fundamentally going on. One is a c collapse of self-confidence by our governing class in the country and in themselves, a belief that they should be running everything at a kind of global level. And therefore, not making decisions with British national interest in mind. Um, 
they don't really care about our history, our culture, our values, our language, because they see their job is working in this kind of global community. And it's because they don't care about the nation state that actually they let immigration run, run rampant, yeah. that they don't chart very clear policies which put British interests first. I mean, you could stop the boats overnight if you wanted to with a bit of backbone. You just police our borders in the way that we used to police them 100 years ago. You just wouldn't let boats pass. No. That would be it. Um, you would solve the... Um, you would solve the uh, the labour problem we've got fundamentally by deregulating, cutting taxes on the working and middle classes. I'm not talking about cutting it on the rich. I'm talking about the working and middle classes, um, taking lots of people out of the tax net. You'd probably put a freeze on benefits just to make sure there's a proper gap between benefits, um, you know, uh, uh, and and the net wage that you get from working. You would cut taxes on corporate corporations so that it actually paid to run a company. Uh, at the moment, we have one of the highest tax rates in Europe. You would do all these things to make the United Kingdom fighting fit and a proud nation. But I don't think they see their job as that. They see their job as kind of delivering these, um, I mean, fundamentally social, I call it socialist, other people call it progressive, socialist, progressive, almost communist kind of approach to governance. But then there's the other thing going on, the listless sort of uh, approach to governance that you mentioned, where, you know, I think we've got a, at this particular moment in time, we've got a government that is just coasting. Rishi Sunak, his idea of providing stability is actually doing nothing. Um, you know, he, 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 it's not even managed decline. It's just kind of just sitting back and just hoping the ship writes itself yeah. somehow. But this is the so, you thing. Know, I think these are the two fundamental problems that are going on. Yeah, but that's the point. But nobody seems capable of grapp grappling with any of the problems. You know, it's always a, oh, well, we tried to fix it, but we couldn't. You know, stopping the boats. We're going to stop the boats. This was January. You know, by the time we got to, what, or the end of August, oh, I don't think we can. You know, same in January. Uh, we're going to bring down the NHS waiting list. Um, you know, yesterday, oh, I don't think we're going to be able to do that now. Well, why not? Don't do it. Just promise something and then get on with it and do it. The same with the uh, uh, the corporate world. It seems to me that companies now have sort of given up the ghost on what they're supposed to do. You know, people running places like Wix, more concerned about not having bigots shopping there than actually selling things and making a profit. You know, ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a very good point you make, and I didn't touch on it from what I was saying. You know, our entire private sector has been hijacked by socialism through the requirement yeah. to deliver environmental, um, social governance policies right. and for social, you know, read diversity, equality and inclusion, which basically means mediocrity. You will give up the pursuit of a meritocratic profit motive, uh, a meritocratic based profit motive in the private sector in order to promote minorities, whatever that minority is, whether it's mm. ethnic, religion, um, sexual orientation, gender identification, you know, we've become a really weird country. Yeah. And um, unless we develop, unless we, act, what we've got to do is go back to where we were 30 years ago and just junk all this socialist progressive nonsense mm. and, be, and, and be unashamedly proud of being British, be unashamedly um, proud of putting forward British uh, national interest. So we make policies for our benefit. Yeah. The other day, Rishi Sunak tweeted that he was at the G7. It was a few years, uh, a few months ago. He tweeted, we mustn't compete with our friends. 
Of course you've got to compete with your friends. Why, why, why not? Uh, why not? Why would you tweet that you don't want to compete with other G7 countries? Of course we've, we have to. That is the inherent nature of being an independent country. We compete for the betterment of our people. Yeah. That's the point, you know. And so it's just lost. You know, we've got to just pare it back. And, uh, you know, the wake-up call, for example, from Nigel Farage being debanked should yeah. have been to bin ESG, to bin a politically exposed person's legislation, to remove it from the landscape. But instead, what they talked about was making sure everyone has a bank account and introducing more regulations. What we need is less regulations. We need, to the extent that we make regulations, they've got to be for, for, for our interest, and we've got to reduce taxes on the poor, working, and middle classes who keep getting nailed. Every bad step the government makes nails the working and middle classes. They get affected much more by ULES charges. They get affected much more by um, transport costs going up. They get affected much more by the incessant drive towards net zero. Mm. They get affected much more by um, low-cost, unskilled immigration taking their jobs away. You know, and, it's, and, and they are the bulk of the United Kingdom. So, you know, if you believe in democracy, if you believe in championing those that put you in office, those are the people you have to look after. But all of this seems to be lost on our government. It really is. I mean, I'm not even sure we have a government anymore. They haven't done anything for so long. They might as well not bother. Listen, Ben, I'm sorry we're out of time, but we've got much more to talk about. I'm sure we will talk again soon, where hopefully we might have some better news for you. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We have got lots going on in this final hour. We've got uh, Hugh Andres here, of course, because it's time for Veterans Voice. And we've got some amazing news for you uh, on all sorts of fronts uh, in the world of the military. Uh, we've got 102-year-olds running marathons, running up mountains, abseiling down buildings. There's more than one of them, by the way, uh, all for the Second World War veterans, raising money uh, for armed forces charities. We've got updates uh, on Gulf War syndrome. Uh, we've also got uh, to hear from Badger. Uh, one of our previous um, uh, incumbents who of course has got a bit of a problem at the moment he's just been evicted we're going to talk to him about the Craig uh, noon Craig veterans retreat but before we do any of that uh, let's just have a look at the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, is talking right here right now about the XL bully dog problem here he goes the American XL bully dog is a danger to our communities particularly our children I share the nation's horror at the recent videos we've all seen Yesterday, we saw another suspected XL bully dog attack, which has tragically led to a fatality. It's clear this is not about a handful of badly trained dogs. It's a pattern of behaviour, and it cannot go on. While owners already have a responsibility to keep their dogs under control, I want to reassure people that we are urgently working on ways to stop these attacks and protect the public. Today, I have tasked ministers to bring together police and experts to firstly define the breed of dog behind these attacks with a view to then outlawing it. It is not currently a breed defined in law, so this vital first step must happen fast. We will then ban the breed under the Dangerous Dogs Act, and new laws will be in place by the end of the year. These dogs are dangerous. I want to reassure the public that we will take all necessary steps to keep people safe. I think that's the right decision and I think it needs to be done sooner rather than later. So uh, we don't congratulate the Prime Minister for much, but if he's going to do that, that is, of course, a big step in the right direction. These things are a threat to our society and they need to be taken off the streets. It's as simple as that. Um, right now, though, it's time for this. The Veterans Voice. 
very good afternoon to you. I'm delighted to say Hugh Andre is here. Hugh, nice to see you. Hi, um, we've got lots of news to get on with today. Um, both of us actually kind of surprising each other. You've got a story about a 102-year-old veteran of World War Two who's become the oldest man to complete a half marathon. Yep. And finish the Great North Run. I said, oh, is it the same guy that's been abseiling down buildings? Which we assumed it was. <laughs> no, there's <laughs> another one who's 102, uh, who was apparently, his name's Colin Bell, who flew mosquito bombing raids in the Second World War. I happened to hear him uh, after he did it yesterday. Incredible. We're going to try and get him on the show as well. But tell us about yeah. uh, Bill Cooksey, who's, who's your RAF man. Mike, I want to know what they fed those boys and girls back. <laughs> then because we need some of it now incredible bill cooksey 102 ran the great north run half a marathon yeah took him five hours 41 minutes and i thought that's extraordinary that is he's 102 yeah and i looked into it a bit further and found out that for his 101st birthday he cycled a thousand miles amazing and i went well that, that's just that's bonkers it um, is. and then of course so what, what did he do for his 100th birthday and just to, you know, outdo Captain Tom, he didn't go around his garden. He did 10, 10 mile runs. Amazing. Leading up to his 100th yeah. birthday. So, Incredible. You know, well, this guy, Colin Bell, uh, and I'm not to take anything away from Bill Cooksey, because they're obviously cut, as I say, from the same cloth. Um, he was yesterday uh, abseiling down the side of a building, which he doesn't normally do, because normally I think he does more excessive kind of a- enterprises. Um, but he was he, he, he was interviewed afterwards, so it didn't didn't bother. They were like, "This is a very no. dangerous thing." No, not a problem at all. Uh, he said, "I've done it loads of times." Um, uh, and he raises money um, for armed forces charities. He was saying he, he, he can sometimes go and do to, do events and after dinner speaking, raises sort of twelve thousand pounds. And he was very remarkable, just sort of refreshingly straightforward, humble. honest, humble. They said, you're like Captain Tom. He said, I'm not even in his league. Don't even mention yeah. that. Absolutely ridiculous. And then they said, they asked him what the secret was of his long life. And he said, well, to be honest, um, if I'm to be truthful, uh, it's the love of a good woman and one or two bad ones. Brilliant. And, and he was on the BBC and you could hear the guy who was interviewing him going, I don't know if we can play that. That's a bit rude. You know, yeah. but they let it go out because he's well, 102. And I think every week now we should have a uh, We Salute You. I think we should. I think that's and brilliant. And all our viewers, We Salute Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Both it's incredible uh, that people, and and, this, and they are, I mean, when you hear people nowadays going, oh, it's life is tough, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it? This guy was flying bombers when tough he was probably in his early 20s, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, he'd come back, smoked 20 woodbines, yeah. drank half a bottle of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then gone out and done it the next day. I know. Unbelievable. Incredible stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on. Moving uh, on, yeah. Someone, had, uh, someone we had, who, we spoke last so week. Popular. We spoke last week mm. about the Veterans Minister, yeah. uh, who you met up with. Yeah, look, they, what we, we heard last week is he, this, is, again, is all about the Gulf War yeah. syndrome uh, and the various symptoms and issues that many, many Gulf War si- sim- uh, veterans uh, have been enduring yeah. for 30 years now. Yeah. Right. Um, the Veterans Minister hosted a roundtable meeting of experts. I wonder if there were any Gulf War veterans yeah. actually at that table. Yeah. Um, but look, this isn't going to go away. Right. Okay. This isn't going away. And whether it's the Conservatives or Labour, there's an awful lot of passion and feeling. And dare yes. I say it, hurt mm. out there of from Gulf War veterans who want answers. Mm. So, you and know. we're going to try and face uh, the music and get those answers. I know there were some people after what we easy. did last week. It's not going to be easy. I know. And I, think people, and, and I want people to know this. Um, Hugh mm. and I know each other well. 
Um, I trust Hugh implicitly with this particular issue, as I would with any issue that he was taking up. Um, and I think it's, a bit, it's been a bit unfair that some people have had to go at you, saying, oh, uh, they're now trying to lead us down this path of the sarin gas cloud and all of that. The point is, is that that was mentioned as a possible situation. It's not instead of what could have well, happened actually, with the vaccine. Yeah. It's a part of the general narrative. It's in addition to yeah, yeah. So I think uh, the best thing we can do here is is to look at all the things that are being mentioned and to continue down the path of trying to get at the truth. That's yep. what we do. That's what we do here at Talk TV. Um, and if that's not good enough for some people, then I'm sorry. But that is the way we're going to mm. do it. Mm. Simple. Absolutely. We won't stop. We won't give up. But, yeah. you know, we will represent And it's all not an either or. And, and, and it's certainly not a situation of being, you know, somehow um, played in around with and led yeah. around by the nose. We don't get led around by the nose. And I'm pretty sure uh, Hugh doesn't either. Yeah. And that, Mike, is a really nice segue into the, the next piece. Uh, and this came in this morning. Yes. Um, and really caught me on the back foot. Um, and it made me think that whilst we are here giving the veterans a voice, when you're serving in the armed forces, mm. you don't speak out. Right. That's just, there's just a code. Right. You know, take it on the chin, you just deal with crack it, yeah. on. Right. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, however, a member of the RAF sent me this message. Um, I'm not going to apologise, I'm going to read it out. Okay. And it says, hello mate, considering the Channel 4 documentary following the RAF at Lossy Mouth, how great it all is, thought I'd give you an honest insight mm. into what it's like at RAF Marham. Right. There hasn't been any hot water across most of the junior rank blocks, gym and messing facilities for over a month due to boiler maintenance. No time frame for it to be fixed, but the rumours are it could be away far away as November. <laughs> Anyhow, don't worry, all is okay because they've set up temporary showers in the car parks. Brilliant. But these are shocking standards, covered in mould, not draining properly, and running out of hot water themselves. Uh, on top of this, occupants were told they would not have to pay for accommodation, but this promptly turned out to be in military parlance rollocks. And any mention of unpleasant living conditions or knocking off your accommodation charge are swiftly ignored. Yes. And he then goes on to say, these buildings were condemned over two to three years ago, still being used. On top of that, they've stuck, stuck the lads and lasses coming out of training into hotels. Popular one. 20 miles away, which is a great idea, seeing none of them know how to drive. Mm. So they can't get to work. Brilliant. That's a good one. And, and just in case you thought it was just the juniors getting, what do we agree, violated? Yes. Um, the senior NCOs of Warrant Officers Mess has been closed for over a year. But members are still being made to pay their mess bills despite not having access to any of the facilities. Sounds like a lot of whinging. Well, it isn't. But all is not a rosy picture of putting people yes. first in the RAF. And this is, of course, in the wake of the RAF Lossy Mouth documentary Absolutely. This series. is in, in, the, in the wake of that. And do you know what? Look, I'm gonna, the military people out there watching will get it. Mm. You know, We all give the RAF a hard time. Yeah. Why? Honestly, because we're jealous of them. Yeah. They're good-looking. Yeah. They've got cool names like Buzz. Right. You know, They've got they, a cool job. They fly fast jets. Yeah. And even when we go to war, they stay in five-star hotels and yeah. we're in a hole in the ground. Right. But also, they fight in minutes as opposed to years, right? Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah, we've got five minutes over the target, back in. Yeah, it's healthy. Confidence. I mean, I'm not saying that's not very brave, by the way. Um, what have the IRF said about this? Well, that's really interesting because nothing at the moment. Right. Um, but I would like to have a shout out right. to Group Captain Wigglesworth, okay. the station commander. What a great name. To say, um, come on, Wiggles. Not Biggles. Um, not Biggles. Can you please make a comment? Yeah. And let us know what is going on because it is seriously that is unacceptable yes. 
to serving members of the armed forces, yeah. paying for their accommodation mm. and having a shower in the car park. Yeah. Which is all very well in this weather, but not so much uh, in all weathers. Well, yeah, and this is the first person to complain, but I've seen so many complaints mm. about barges, the quality of hotels in central London, the mm. Wi-Fi not being good enough. Yes, there is that. Um, so, yeah, you know what, well, if you've got any genuine complaints or issues, yeah. if you're serving, let us know. Yeah, um, we'll see what we can do. Not, not because the... I seem the, to remember, you might remember better than me, was maybe last year sometime there was a story in The Sun did, I think, about a barracks that was being used by servicemen, which was in a terrible state. Was, oh, they have was, been, but they have been for years. It yeah. was left in a kind of, it was full of litter. Yeah. Was, you know, there was, nobody cleaned it. You know, they were expected to move in and, and, you know, it was in a ghastly sort of state of The disrepair. MOD sold off a huge chunk of their uh, defence real estate to a right. company called Annington Homes. Yeah. Um, I, it was, it, yeah, I mean, this has been a real bone of contention because, of course, Annington Homes put new roofs, new carpets, mm. manicured gardens, double glazing in, and you have beautiful houses. And across the road, behind the wire, especially, for example, down at Purbright, yeah. there were serving members of the arms and forces living in accommodation where there were holes in the roof, windows were broken. And here we are now. Yeah. We basically we've got you know a, a community kind of in the RAF up in Norfolk, outside Kings Lynn, paying to live on a construction site. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, we'll uh, delve into it and see mm. what uh, see what emerges. Um, right now, though, it's time uh, for the interview uh, section of this particular segment on Veterans Voice, uh, and we're going to go back to Badger, uh, our man who was down at uh, Noon Craig Veterans Retreat. Um, I think we can say hello to Badger. The last time we spoke to Badger, he was looking for a, a new air, a Back new place February. to go, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. um, and I thought we thought we might have had something, but as of now, nothing, no? No. Um, let's hear from Badger. Yeah. Uh, in court on Wednesday in Penzance. Badger, uh, welcome back to Veterans Voice. Uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. So, what's going on? What's happening? Well, uh we had a court case. It didn't go quite as well as we expected it to. Um, we've been uh, ordered off the land. Um, but well, we'll find a solution. You know, we're not going to let us get us down. We're a resilient bunch. We're taught to overcome and overcome we will. And New Craig is a spirit. It's a vision and a living one. And its verdict has not changed this at all. Right. So what have, the, have they given you some kind of time frame? And, and why did it get to court? What was the problem? Um... It, they wanted to uh, tell the world that we were trespassing on the land. Oh, yeah. um, uh, we got legal aid. It was uh, adjourned last time for eight weeks to get legal aid. Uh, legal aid uh, took all my bank statements to find my eligibility, but still haven't decided if I'm eligible or not. But mm. this is due to the summer season. All the all the solicitors were going on holiday for a couple of weeks here yeah. and there, so nothing got done. So. They never had the evidence in the court. It wasn't sent from the Crown Court to the Magistrates' Court. So not all the evidence was given. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we've um, we have been advised that uh, this decision wasn't made following the law and uh, we didn't get justice, but that's a different story. Yes. We've got in a couple of lads in. We've got Chris here. I mean, we've uh, Hi, been, had a couple of shouts. We've taken veterans off of cliff tops who are ready to jump, you know, in the last couple of months. Right. But we're still going to crack on because that's okay. what we do, soldiers. Have you got an opportunity to appeal this then? Is that going to be a possibility? Uh, I ended up representing myself in the court because there was no one there for me. I asked for an appeal and I was blank and he said no. You know, so despite the fact all the evidence wasn't there. Right. There's a lot going on behind the scenes there on this one which I won't go into. Right. 
And so, what's what what sort of time frame have you been given for 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 getting out then? Uh, It takes two weeks uh, to get uh, the bailiffs, uh, and two weeks for the bailiffs to actually. We're looking at four or five weeks, maybe, maybe less. We don't know, but hey, (laughs) chin up. Yeah. Well, I mean, incredible. I mean, what what what, do you, what are you going to do? Have you got anywhere you can go? Well, if we've got to live rough for a couple of months, we'll do that. I mean, that's nothing to us. We we like time out in Europe. You know, we've got the kit to live rough for a bit until something does turn up. But I've got to face something that something will turn up. I mean, if someone's out there now who can help us, and if you can, please do. Yeah. And we'll do a few more donations. If anyone's got a bit of land they know in the West Country, you know, I mean... It's new Craig is working. He's doing exactly what he said, and that's saving vulnerable veterans. Badger, hello, mate. It's uh, Hugh Hi. here. I wouldn't be alive today without this place, and now they want to take it away from us. Well, I've seen the, all the good work that you do, Badger, obviously having come down there back in uh, February and stayed with yeah. you for a couple of days. Am I right in thinking you've also been given a 7000 Yes, you've got a £7,000 court cost. Oh, Craig Lilly said we've got less than £100 in the bank at the moment. We've got a few veterans in. Now he's given us £7,000, and that was supposed to be reduced. And then the, uh, the solicitors, their solicitors, put their more of their fee on top, VAT and things like that. So, bottom line is you've been made homeless. Well, you're going to be made homeless. I mean, I know you're crack on. I know you're a resilient top man. Um, and you've been slapped with a £7,000 worth of fine. Yeah. Thank you for all your you hard work. You got a fine as well. Yeah. That's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is it? Is it Chris? You were talking about uh, you wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Noon Craig. Absolutely Tell us. Not. Um, I was uh, not doing very well in a rough place about eight weeks ago. I got in contact with Badger for a friend of his. Within 15 minutes, Badger picked me up, brought me to the retreat, and I'm a different person now, eight weeks. And if it wasn't for this place, I would most certainly be dead. Right. I was in the right way for it. And and I, what was what had got you to that point? What, how, how, how bad were you feeling? Alcohol stress, PTSD, just not knowing how to deal with it, being let down by the services, NHS, all of that, being caught in the net, no one really helping me out, and the only person who's really helped me out and showed me the right direction is Badger and Noon Craig. Right. Now they want to try and take that away from us, there's going to be more people like me who are not going to survive because of this. No. And Badger, you, you've, you've, helped, you've helped a lot of people, haven't you? Yeah, we picked another one up, uh, there's Hours after the court case, we went to this guy and picked another veteran up who was in need, ready, ready to take the airdrop, you know. And there's so many out there, yeah. and now we're, we're getting recognised. People are more and more right. coming. And, so, what, and what do you need, Badger? If, we, if people are listening mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out what they can do for you, what what, what do you need? Tell us what, what would be the best thing for you. Uh, I mean, we could do a generous grant of some sort to help us out, find a new location to save us going on the streets. Uh, you know, we can still do a bit more funding, um, but it's all all trial and error at the moment because I'm not very good at yeah. this kind of thing with funding. But in terms of a place to be, a place to stay, do you need, um, do you need countryside? Do you need countryside or can you do it somehow in, a, in an urban setting? What do you need? It's countryside because countryside, the peace, quiet and tranquility is a secret behind Noon Creek. Okay. It is, uh, it is that secret behind the Greek. Uh, sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, well, a couple of acres, even an acre or two mm. would be enough. Okay. You've got Pete here, he's an old Scots guard. Come say hello, Pete. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Pete. veteran from Northern Ireland back in the Fermanagh days. <laughs> now, he's been a blessing to us, he has. Right. He's bent over backwards for us. Brilliant. Brilliant. I see veterans, I've witnessed myself, four veterans 
on the edge. No other service could have done anything to support them. Only the connection with somebody who understood them and could talk the language yeah. could bring them back to a place of safety, which this place is. And with nature and healing and time, these people go on to rebuild their lives again. Yeah. Take that away from them. And I'm afraid you've got veterans on the streets that have yeah. nowhere to turn. And the services even admit they cannot deal with veterans once they've reached this stage that Badger actually is set up for is when a crisis happens and they're on the cliff. And I have myself have personally gone on a show where a veteran was on the cliff ready to jump. We got a phone call from a local campsite owner because this network is all out in this part of Cornwall and all campsite owners, pubs and hotels know about this retreat. And if they spot a veteran and they believe he's vulnerable or in trouble or he's going to cause himself harm or danger to others, they call Badger and straight away I've watched Badger with half a bacon sandwich in his mouth spit it out and jump in the van and mm. I jump with him. Yeah. And actually after two or three hours and plenty of police and ambulances and coast guards and search and rescue, the guy would only get in our van and come back here. And now in, in life he's getting on and he's doing well again and still in support and still in contact with the retreat yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. yeah. it's brilliant badger it's it's the it's the owners of the land that wants it back basically isn't it yes it's uh john's former partner from 17 years ago yeah um uh she went around the back doors and coming behind you know without no warning right uh, that she's gonna want uh, off the land that was a year ago right. a year ago today actually okay yeah. Well, listen, we're going to find some land for you. I'm sure we can uh, through the good offices of, uh, of Talk TV and, of course, through Hugh Andre as well. So, guys, do not despair. I know you wouldn't despair anyway because you're not those kind of people, but brilliant to talk to you. Thanks again. And for everything that, Badger, you do for people and to both of you guys, uh, Pete and Chris, you know, we'll sort something out. We'll get something done because that's what we do. Um, thank you very much indeed. Hugh, um, if we can get some land... Anywhere yeah. really, that would be acceptable. A few acres of land. Yeah. You know, there were farmers down there in the in in the southwest. Mm. I know, you know, not as beggars can't necessarily be choosers. Yeah, but in the south, preferably closer rather than further away. Three or four, five acres, yeah. which you're not using, and let's put it to some good mm. use. We can get funding, you know, and have that retreat there, and Badger can look after individuals. It's obviously a very important retraining and getting back out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tremendous. Uh, and again, uh, if any if anybody watching this can help us, you know, please do get in touch with us, um, or you can get in touch with Hugh as well. We'll put out um, uh, an APB for all of that. Uh, and if you have any issues as well as a veteran, uh, you know, you can get in touch with us, and, and we'll put them to Hugh, and we'll see what we can do about them. Uh, because in the end. Um, People aren't helping veterans. Uh, I've got this from somebody who says, are we seriously making our veterans homeless when in Bristol they've just closed two more four-star hotels to accommodate illegal immigrants? This is sick. It is extraordinary. There's loads coming in as well. Um, Hugh, thank you very much Thanks, indeed. Uh, we'll see you again soon. We'll work on this. We'll get it done. Uh, that is the Veterans Voice for this week. The Veterans Voice. Another text here uh, from Angry uh, in Huddersfield. Mr. Angry, what a disgrace. Our veterans are being forced out, yet illegals have no problems or don't have to wait for legal aid. Spineless politicians are a joke. I mean, that's another thing. They don't even know if Badger, who's running a veterans retreat for no money whatsoever, uh, can apply for legal aid. 
Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, we'll be back after this with more from Talk TV. On DAB+, Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. We're going to talk to Sebastian Gorka very shortly about Hunter Biden finally being charged with criminality. It's an extraordinary story. We're going to get the latest from Washington, D.C. Uh, coming up. An awful lot of people, though, very much upset by what you've just heard. That veterans are being kicked out, kicked off land, uh, where they've got a retreat which helps veterans who have become depressed, uh, who have become suicidal, saves lives. And now they're being forced out, evicted from the place that they've been, where they've built this incredible retreat. How about making the Bibby Stockholm available to homeless service personnel? They deserve better says Mike in Pusey. Absolutely right. Now it's time for this. The World of Woke. You know what I think about working from home, don't you? I don't like it. I don't think it's normal. I don't think it's natural. People should be going to an office. People who disagree with me are always going on about it. Why don't you like people working from home, Mike? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it changes things. It changes the economy. It reduces growth. It reduces productivity. It reduces creativity. It's all very well for all those little middle-class Apple laptop types who sit around at home uh, loving the fact that they don't have to go anywhere and they can sit in their little study and they can listen to Netflix and watch Spotify or whichever way around they want to do it. And then they can say to everybody, my work-life balance is so great. Well, according to Professor Nick Bloom, who's an economist at Stanford University, he says big pay rises are going to be needed to retain teachers and nurses who are unable to work from home, while a collapse in commuting could lead to cuts on the railways. Well, how about you don't make any of those cuts and you don't make any of those pay rises necessary because you make everybody go back to work. We heard this morning, or this week rather, that HMRC employees, the tax people, are not even bothering to turn up one day a week in their office. It's absolutely extraordinary. The public sector is bloated and fat with too many people in it. Maybe here's an idea. If you want to work from home, that's fine, but you can't work in the public sector. We'll just sack you and then you'll have to come to work somewhere else and you might have to get on a train. We cannot have people in Britain not working and that's exactly what it means when you work from home because you're swinging the lead and if you're going to tell me that you're not, I'm afraid I'm going to say I don't believe you. That's the world of work. The world of woke. Well, imagine this scenario. Joe Biden is going to be impeached. He probably isn't going to be impeached in both houses. But the Democrats have said, this is an outrage. This is ridiculous. This is politics being weaponized into law. Really? Where have I heard that before? Let's talk to Sebastian Gorka, former aide to Donald J. Trump, a former president of the United States of America, possibly the next president of the United States of America, uh, host, of course, of America First. Um, well, Hunter Biden, a man who has been said to be protected uh, by what may, might be called the mainstream media in America, uh, is now under indictment on three federal gun charges. Uh, Sebastian, a very good morning to you. 
Uh, greetings, my friend. It's been too long. First things first, I would like to second the motion. Uh, during the COVID insanity, I went to work to my studio every single day. Yep. So did my team. I Me refused too. to get the jab. I didn't wear a mask ever. So uh, absolutely right on you. Absolutely right. Well, because we've seen the destruction of Washington, D.C. You've told us about it. I haven't been there since COVID. But apparently the place is like some kind of a scene from Mad Max now, isn't it? It, it is it's either a ghost town, nobody goes there anymore, or it is tent cities of homeless people. Yeah. One block from the White House and front of federal buildings is just a tent city of homeless people. This is the nation's capital. It's horrific. It really is awful. Now, tell me, you haven't had a slight uh, feeling of schadenfreude, as we like to say, <laughs> uh, with this week's uh, news of Hunter Biden's um, charges, but also um, the fact that the Democrats are getting their knickers in a right old twist about the possibility that uh, Joe Biden, sleepy uh, Beijing Joe, might be impeached. Yeah, so first things first, let, let's be very honest uh, about uh, Hunter Biden, the president's son. Uh, predictions are a mug's game. I try to avoid them because nobody ever keeps them to you. They don't say, well, six months ago you said this. And, right. Well, I'm going to give you one right now. Hunter Biden won't do three seconds in a federal prison. He'll get a slap on the wrist despite it being three felony charges for lying on a um, background check federal form for purchasing of a handgun when he was a drug addict. He'll get a fine. He'll get a suspended sentence. But the point is, we don't care about that. That's that's small beer. This is an individual who has admitted on voicemails to his daughter um, uh, you, you, you know, you, you could have a life much, much worse like mine because I have to give daddy 50% of what I make. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> Giving your father 50 you're complaining on a voicemail. And then he says, uh, yeah, I'm in business with, I'll, I'll edit this because I don't know what the Ofcom regs are exactly. He says, I'm in effing business with the chief spy of China. These are the things he should be charged right. with. Being a front man for interest in communist China, in Ukraine, in Romania, uh, Kazakhstan, you name it. So you know, Hunter will not, will not get a day in prison from daddy's Department of Justice, I guarantee you that. Now, when it comes to daddy himself, um, he might be in rather big trouble. Why? Because we've got the goods. The Congress under the Republicans has the receipts. Uh, we could spend the next three days on what we found. But let me just give you two things that are mildly interesting. Uh, number one, when he was vice president, his son traveled with him on Air Force Two to Beijing. Right. Afterwards, oh, and by, by, by the way, when his son was there in China, he ordered the Secret Service not to escort him to his business meetings, Mike, which is a little strange. <laughs> yes. He, come, he comes back from Beijing, lands a, if you don't believe me, please look it up, lands a 1.4 billion with a B, billion with a B deal with the National Bank of Communist China, a deal that you talk to Wall Street experts, Wall, you know, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America couldn't get that deal. A guy who's a drug addict, kicked out of the Navy, has no background in finance, no background in Asia, gets a 1.4 billion deal. At the same time that his family, Hunt, the Bidens collectively, have 20 shell companies. Um, Mike, how many shell companies do you have? Yeah, let me see. Um, at last count, uh, none, precisely. Uh, oh, no shell companies, I'm afraid. Me no. neither. So weird. <laughs> and then the last one, which I think is bang to rights. We found out from the National Archives, God bless the investigators on Capitol Hill, the vice president, who's now the president, 
the vice president, when he was working for Obama, requested and received no less than three pseudonymous email accounts on government servers that he used to communicate with Ukrainian businessmen and CC'd his son Hunter. Now, why would a vice president, why would Joe Biden need multiple email accounts in fake names to say hello to people in Ukraine? Come on, this guy has to go. Well, I mean, it's a very odd story, isn't it? And, and when there's smoke, there usually tends to be fire. Um, and of course, we've got such a skewed system now uh, in Washington. I don't think anybody really trusts it in any way, shape or form. I mean, if you were uh, honest to goodness, Midwestern living, you know, clean living, you know, law abiding citizen, you'd be looking at the Justice Department in D.C. and going, I'm sorry. I'm not buying whatever you're coming to sell me because the Justice Department has become a political organisation, hasn't it? The FBI, um, what are they doing about this Biden investigation? Anything? Well, th this is personal to me. So before I joined the White House, uh, I, my wife and I had a company. We had the only external contract to provide training on Al-Qaeda and ISIS ideology to the FBI. So I was doing about 20,000 miles a month, going from FBI headquarters to FBI field office across the country, training their agents. And I loved it. I, I felt proud to help them understand the terrorist threat to America. Now, and I've said this on my national radio show, if, if the lads from the Hoover building knocked on my door today, I'd say, screw you, talk to my lawyers. I I'm sorry. If they'd done that to me, said Gorka, this is an irredeemable organization. They have become the bully boys. They have become the political police force for the Democrats. When you look at what they've done to my former boss in the White House, Steve Bannon, yeah. Peter Navarro, pe people who said, uh, no, we're not going to go to the January 6th committee because it's illegally constituted. It doesn't have members who have been nominated from our party. Therefore, we're not, we're not going to go to this witch trial. What happens? Think of this. This is a former colleague of mine, former assistant to the president, the highest rank you can have. He's charged with contempt of Congress, which is, you know, all, all citizens could, should hold con Congress in contempt. Yeah, absolutely. How is that an offence? Right. right. And the FBI trails him to the national airport, to Reagan. As he's getting on a plane, they publicly arrest Peter Navarro on contempt of Congress charges, handcuff and leg shackle him parade him to the FBI holding cell. They put him in the same holding cell they held Hinckley in, who tried to assassinate Reagan, just to make it a little bit kind of, you know, edgy. And then they strip searched him on a contempt of Congress charge. That's just bully boy tactics. That's banana republic. And then, and then you look at just an average Joe, this individual, Enrique Tadio, who's the head of this Proud Boys organization, a week ago, he is convicted of what? Seditious conspiracy on January the 6th um, and gets 22 years yeah. in prison. That's a, a guy who, by the way, and again, this, this may blow the mind of your viewers and listeners. Please don't take Seb's word for it. Check it out. Enrique Tario wasn't physically in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. So he's going to prison for a generation, despite the fact he wasn't even physically here. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. We've got a little clip, uh, Sebastian, we want to show you. You may have seen it already. It's Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, uh, calling out a reporter um, just yesterday who's nonchalantly dismissing concerns about Joe Biden's involvement in Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. Have a look. You know, 
where impeachment inquiry is not impeachment. So what impeachment inquiry is to do is to get answers to questions. Are you concerned about all the stuff that was just recently learned? Do you have any concern? Have you asked the White House any questions? Okay. Do you agree that, do you believe the president lied to the American public when he said he'd never talked to his son about business dealings? Yes or no? It's all right. You, you can't answer that? Do you believe when they said the president went on conference calls? Do you believe that happened? That's what the testimony Okay. Says. Do you believe the president went to Cafe Milano and had dinner with the, with the clients of Hunter Biden, who believes he got those clients because he was selling the brand? Okay. Do you believe Hunter Biden, when you saw the video of him driving a Porsche, that he got $143,000 to buy that Porsche the next day? Do you believe the $3 million from the Russian oligarch that was transferred to the shell companies that the Bidens controlled after the dinner from Cafe Milano took place? Okay, then I go back. Do you think the president lied that he, when he said... That an impeachable is lying and impeachable. Well, you want, you want to know... I'm not saying impeachment. All I'm saying is I would like to know answers to these questions. The American public ought to know, and that's what impeachment inquiry provides. This is brilliant. Sebastian, Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> Speaker of the House, um, now doing the journalist job for them. Actually asking the journalist, don't you, don't you wonder about any of this stuff? Don't you ask questions anymore about this? Yeah. Unbelievable, um, right? Yeah, God bless him. I hadn't seen that cut. I, I'm going to use that on my it's show. Brilliant. Uh, that's that's how you deal with the lying hacks in the legacy yeah. media. Right. Uh, do you think there's a problem here? Do you yeah. think there's a problem here? Doesn't, we you know, now know, and we forget about Cafe Milano. Is this crappy Italian restaurant in Georgetown that the you know, the, the, the the elite go to? Yeah. We've got photographs. Photographs vice president biden standing with hunter biden and his <clears throat> business associates from the former soviet union shall we just say that <laughs> now we found out this week hunter biden managed so this crackhead kicked out of the navy who likes to post photographs of himself with his russian prostitutes mm. he he managed to take his business associates to the Naval Observatory. Now, for those who aren't familiar with this, if this isn't a nice day out, the Naval Observatory is where the vice president lives. It is the residence of the vice president. He got to take his <clears throat> business associates to meet his daddy in the vice president's. This is after years of being told, oh, I never talk to my son about his. I have no idea what my son does for business. What I mean, what are you in the toilet for the three hours there at your house? Amazing. I mean, we we need to get to the bottom of this, Mike. Yeah, but don't worry, um, because I think we can hire Kevin McCarthy as the new lead uh, reporter for the New York Times, because he's clearly <laughs> got much more journalistic nous than anybody working there. Uh, because they don't want to. They don't want the questions answered. They don't want to ask them. No, 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 I have to correct you there, sorry, that's fake news, Mike Graham, uh, I'm sorry, they have asked him in the past, I mean, they have, asked, this is not a joke again, check it out, they have asked the president what his favourite flavour of ice cream is. Well, of course. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, they do do journalism, right? yeah, yeah. They, they, do, they do ask that, right. um, but, but, but you need to look at what happened yesterday on CNN, they had a whole segment and then a follow-up segment on um, the problems with Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. If C if CNN, the the hagiographers, the official bootlicks for the Democrat Party, are starting to have double segments on um, the problems with sleepy creepy Joe, 
maybe the worm has turned. But but here's, here's the irony of it all. He has the ultimate insurance policy. Because if they get rid of him, it's the cackler. And Kamala Harris is even less popular than he is. So what a genius to put this woman as your vice president, because they can't get rid of him. Yeah. It's hilarious, it Mike. Is. It is. It's unbelievable stuff. It really is. It's brilliant. Listen, uh, we're out of time, unfortunately. But listen, we'll talk to you again very soon, Sebastian. Brilliant stuff. Uh, thank you very much indeed. That Kevin McCarthy clip, absolutely fantastic. I mean, what sort of journalist doesn't even answer the questions that are put to them? Incredible. Um, Hunter Biden, under indictment, but as uh, Sebastian Gorka says, he won't serve any time. But the real question is, what are the connections between Hunter and his dad and all of that business overseas? This is Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.